Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Linux in the Ham Shack. We are doing number 114 tonight for September 24th in the year 2013. I'm Russ K5TUX coming to you from between the peaks in the pine forest of north central Arkansas. And with me tonight, uh, as he has been for the last many episodes, Pete, VE2XPL, from the wilds of Canada, somewhere near the underground city of Montreal. How are we tonight, Peter? Uh, good evening, Russ. Good evening, everyone. We are doing great. Yeah, Montreal uh, is awesome. The leaves are uh, starting to turn. It's beautiful in the city right now. It's perfect weather. Uh, not too hot, not too cold. Uh, it's good weather to be hanging out outside and uh, picking apples, which is the uh, thing to do in Quebec right now. So uh, uh, very good all around. Back to you, Russ. Excellent. Well, it's a little early down this away yet for leaves turning and for picking apples, but that will be coming sooner than later, I'm sure. Apples make it that far south? Uh, of course they do. There are lots of I apple orchards around here. No oranges and lemons. Uh, no, we're not even quite that far south. There's not a whole lot of oranges around here, although they do grow oranges, but apples big, big time. Yeah, uh, apples. We probably shouldn't uh, shoot the bull until segment three. Let's go ahead and talk about the interview that we're not going to have. Uh, yeah, the cast of the Low SWR uh, podcast uh, is a AWOL tonight, unfortunately. Richard and uh, Brady will not be able to join us. They send their uh, sincerest apologies, but Rich is working nights this week, so uh, he had uh, suggested that we could record the interview and, and present it to you guys pre-recorded, but I told them that we preferred having these guys on live, so uh, we're going to uh, reschedule uh, for uh, the next episode in two weeks, October 8th. Uh, uh, Rich will only know if he's working nights on October 4th, so we're going to have to play it by ear, but he says eventually he'll make it, so uh, we uh, figured rather have them on live than uh, pre-recorded, so that's why we chose to uh, bring you, and, and I, I guess it kind of worked out for, uh, you know, everything worked out well, because uh, with all the problems we had tonight, we'd have those guys waiting for about an hour. Hopefully that won't happen next time, but make us look uh, less than professional, um, and we seem to do that quite well. <laughs> well, that's okay, because no one would ever know except you brought it up. Yeah, no one on the podcast. Uh, everyone <laughs> who's listening live, though. Well, we I thought we drove them all off. I didn't know anyone was still listening live. Oh, I'm sure. Well, they're all still in the uh, chat room, so I'm guessing they're there. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> we got a couple. Yeah, that's, that's good. They all count. <laughs> yes, everybody counts. <laughs> Everyone's special. <laughs> makes everyone normal no, yeah which makes everyone not special at all <laughs> all right i gotta so. shrink myself i'm really disturbing myself here uh, i just have it in the background so i don't even see it yeah no offense that. <laughs> that's quite all right no offense taken i don't even want to see myself <laughs> all right so you're gonna you're gonna call me out on this karaoke thing from last weekend <laughs> right? 
Well, if you choose, that's why I said this segment could be 10 seconds or two minutes. But I uh, ran across uh, ran across the video, and I just thought it was rather interesting. So I thought maybe you'd want to tell us about your uh, your evening of of fun and good times. All right. Well, go ahead and talk about my evening of fun and good times because I don't remember much of it. <laughs> Oh really? Well, that didn't show actually. I was uh, no, it was just uh, I ran across. I don't remember. It was somewhere on YouTube on on uh, Facebook, I believe. Ran across a video of Russ and some friends uh, enjoying karaoke and having a grand old time. So uh, singing uh, "Call Me Maybe," which uh, I thought was quite humorous because uh, Carly Rae Jepsen is is Canadian, of course. So uh, good on you, Russ, for choosing a Canadian song. And uh, you guys looked like you were having a blast. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan of karaoke. I don't go uh, a lot. I should probably go more. I can't sing to save my life, but man, is it fun. So, uh, yeah, good on you. Yeah, I feel the same way. I I really enjoy doing karaoke, even though I feel like I can't sing at all. And the whole night long, I had just been going, I really want to just get up there and do the Call Me Maybe song because we had watched the, um, the cheerleader video and the guys over in Afghanistan thing on youtube and we we're like well we could probably make something fun out of this and we did and uh daniel one of the guys who was doing it was up there doing it with me he's like well i'm gonna do it i'm gonna dress like a you know i'm gonna tuck my shirt in like a valley girl and we're gonna do this thing but we can't do it unless it shows up on facebook so it's on facebook <laughs> and that's all right so, so yeah, i just thought that was that was fun it was fun and we'll, I do, I do actually remember it. I wasn't that far gone, but, uh, a, a little lubrication didn't help, um, having my hair put up in a little side pigtail and tucking my shirt in like a Valley girl. And, uh, yeah, you know. well, my friend, uh, karaoke is fueled by alcohol. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So we'll put the link in the show notes in case anybody wants to get a good laugh because, uh, it is pretty amusing. Yeah, Harrison just uh, threw that in there. He wants wants the link. Yeah, well, we'll we'll make sure the link is available so everybody can see it. Everybody who hasn't set who hasn't seen it so far, and we're going to mark it NSFA. Which, if anyone doesn't know what that means, it means not safe for anyone. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, so back to like what we do here, and uh, let's talk about Fedora. Yeah, a little quick uh, birthday note. Uh, Fedora is uh, turning 10 years old. Uh, not today, but uh, yesterday, September 23rd. Uh, Michael K. Johnson announced the birth of the project in 2003, uh, which uh, produces the uh, Fedora Linux operating system, of course, Fedora. So uh, on this occasion, uh, they are taking the liberty on the website to uh, list all the uh, core releases. So there's a list of that that will be in the show notes. And uh, we'll just mention it because last August 25th, the Linux kernel turned 22. So I thought, well, another birthday note. Found that in uh, Linux today. Thought it was worth mentioning. Yes, birthdays galore. Of course, if you picked every distribution or every part of the open source community or Linux distribution's birthday, there'd probably be three things every day of the year. But <laughs> yeah, but the the kernel was a big one, of course, because there's no Linux without the kernel. That's very and true. I don't mean Colonel Sanders. And uh, Fedora is, is, you know, it's quite a a big popular distribution. So I'm I'm not going to go in, into every little sub distribution, but Fedora is, uh, you know, it's 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 got its following. Yeah, and it's interesting. You stopped the list of the early versions of Fedora Core with Fedora Core Six, which was called Zod, which uh, was a good place to stop because that's the last one that I used. Oh, there you go. See, I knew that. <laughs> I did try for I did try Beefy Miracle briefly, um, and 
it didn't impress me. So, uh, but that's of course long after they dropped the core part. Right. Yeah, I haven't uh, explored Fedora yet. It's still uh, missing in my Linux repertoire. Well, honestly, I don't think you're missing much. And for all the Fedora heads out there who are now screaming at their, you know, MP3 players, sorry, you know, we each have our prejudices. Yeah, I'll, I'll try it eventually. I, I like I say, I they're they're not all that different, so I can't see. Is is there something specific you don't like about it, or is just just didn't speak to you? The later versions of Fedora just really didn't speak to me. They are sort of like Arch. They're more complicated than they need to be for my everyday use. And while I play with a little bit of everything just so I know what's out there, I always come back to the Debian. See, we already have one person in the chat room, Jay Lindsay. Yeah. Who's, uh, <laughs> Fedora's awesome, he yeah. says, and, and that's all right. Uh, you know, everyone has their distribution that works best for them. I can't speak to it, so I'm not going to get in the middle. You guys duke it out. I'm going to create something like the Debian's. I'm going to be like the KKK, but I'm going to call it like the DSS, the Debian the Supremacy, the, De the Debian Supremacy Society, uh, because Debian is supreme. And what's your suit going to look like? I'm not sure, but it'll probably have a D on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to have a hood too. You need a hood and no cape. Yeah, but no, cape. no cape. Yeah, absolutely no capes. Enough about Fedora. Since we talk about open source on this podcast from time to time, uh, over the last, how many years have we been doing this now? Just about five. We're coming up on our five-year anniversary for this thing. Uh, Ooh, we're going to have to do something big for that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, in the middle of next month. Uh, will be... Really? Yep. The pressure's on. <laughs> so uh, we talk about open source from time to time, and you found a list of some of the uh, top sites where you can find open source software. So we might as well mention those because uh, it might help some people out in looking for projects uh, for things they might want to use. Yeah, I thought this was very cool, actually, the top 59 open source websites. I found this on a website called uh, datamation.com. That's Datamation. Uh, Datamation magazine uh, is a magazine that was founded in 1957. and It was originally a print magazine uh, solely covering uh, emerging computer and data processing stuff in the industry. So uh, in 95, they made a pioneer transition to online is what it says on the uh, website. So, uh, you know, they're saving trees. It's a good thing. And uh, it was one of the first online uh, publications on the web. Well, at least that's what they claim. So everybody claims that they were the first at uh, something. So but they've been around for, uh, you know, 50 uh, odd years. Uh, so they know a little bit of what they're talking about. And uh, they have a list of uh, the 59 open source websites if you're looking for any kind of open source. The number one was uh, SourceForge, which was uh, pretty cool. Uh, I listed the top uh, 10. Uh, they'll be in the show notes. Uh, you know, uh, GitHub, Google Code, Clips Labs, Big Bitbucket, Launchpad. I've heard of some of these. Some others I have not. I kind of scanned the list of the 59 real quick. Uh, we won't post the 59 in the show notes, but uh, we'll have the link to the article, so I uh, thought that was rather interesting. I don't know if you had a chance to look at the list or not, uh, Russ, but I, it seemed quite uh, comprehensive. I'm sure it is. I did not have a chance to look at it, but interestingly, pretty much all of the packages that I've downloaded uh, that are not packages, actually, not from our, my local package repository, have come from, I think, five or six of these top ten. I'm not sure I've actually used uh, any of the others. SourceForge, GitHub, Google Code, Launchpad, and a little bit of RubyForge. 
are pretty much all the ones I ever use. So maybe I should take a look and see what the other 49 of these things are because they're obviously ones that uh, don't come up much in my world. I'm not sure how much they come up in, in other folks' worlds. Let me go ahead and... They certainly don't come up in my world. But um, I was actually surprised to see Google Code on there because I was always under the understanding that Google was semi-evil, but I guess they're semi-good too. Well, it's listed as number three. So was this article written by Google? Nope, this was written by Daydimation, and they're an independent uh, magazine, so they claim. If you're wearing a tinfoil hat, then maybe you think they're not. I have, I have no idea. I don't know enough about Daydimation to see if they're bought out by anyone, but I didn't see any obvious logos on the website. Yeah, there was no large influx of, you know, anonymous donations or a huge cash transfer to this magazine right before this article came out that you're aware no, of? No, it's just a, a flash, you know, once every, you know, 60, <laughs> once every 60th of a second, there was just a flash. And it just kind of disturbs you after a while. Subliminal. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, actually, number 16 on the list is Gatorius, which I actually thought might be a little bit higher on that. And 21 is fresh and meat. That sounds like a female body part, too. <laughs> it kind of does, yeah, actually. <laughs> you know, somehow I never made that connection. But. Uh, well, leave it to me. Uh, number 21 is fresh meat, which is something I used to use a lot more in the past than I have recently. But um, And the rest of these I don't think I've ever heard of. So. Yeah, there's one called the School Forge, which is kind of neat. It's helpful for educators. And I'm telling you guys, check it out. The, the, even just from an interest perspective, there's uh, there's some stuff in here that I, I was even, even surprised at running across. I mean, I'm huge into education and, you know, some, some of the open source science project. So uh, all your science uh, applications. Uh, so, yeah. Did, very, did you happen to notice? Indeed. Did you happen to notice number 42? Um Perhaps, but I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. <laughs> oh, 59, NASA. Wow, that's pretty cool. I hadn't noticed that either. Datamation. Well, there you go. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting that they, A, threw themselves on the list, and B, chose to be number 42 <laughs> of all the numbers on the list. Uh, well, they're not pretentious. No, not at all. Uh, at least they didn't put themselves number one. But is not, but <laughs> in truth, isn't number forty-two more important than number one? Could be. I don't know. I'm looking for their about page to see what they're about because I looked at it before. But I thought they. I, like I thought in Canada it was an about page. It's an about page. Who we are. James McGuire is Datamation's senior managing editor. Has been reporting technology topics for more than ten years. And CFO of Google. Oh, am I? <laughs> yeah. No. Like I said, they seem to be relatively independent i'm sure they're fine upstanding straight shooters i'm just having a little bit of fun at their expense for no reason yeah, whatsoever. yeah for sure for sure well they've been around for you know 50 odd years so they're doing something right whether we agree with it or not exactly all right well enough rambling and uh senseless topics for our first segment i think we probably need to move into some music and roll on to some stuff that might actually be of interest to people who listen to this show if they have not already turned it off and gone to going linux are they on right now i'll listen during the break no i'm just kidding <laughs> No, I mean when they're listening in their car or whatever and they've decided <laughs> that we're not going to talk about anything of any import and they decide to listen to Hacker Public Radio or, you know, Going Linux or some other podcast. But don't do that. Stay with us. That's right. Stay with us because if you don't stay with us, you'll miss Brad Sucks. Absolutely. 
and I like Brad Sucks. I really do. And yeah, I, I usually don't. I but I I found this track. This is one of my uh, suggestions. Thank you, Russ, uh, for including it. I actually found a song from Brad Sucks that I actually that I really liked. Uh, it was uh, published uh, in January of 2007, so it's an older song. I hadn't heard it before. Uh, it's from the album I Don't Know What I'm Doing. Uh, found it on Jamendo, of course. And Brad Sucks is a Canadian. He's from Ottawa, which is about an hour away from here. So also very exciting to uh, promote a Canadian artist. Uh, and uh, the song is uh, called Dirtbag. Three minutes and 52 seconds. So we hope you guys enjoy it. Making money not knowing what it means I'm alive 
think that may be yeah, the that's... first time I've heard vibraphone since the late 70s. That's uh, the only part of the song I don't like at the end. It just sounds like it's made with a 1970s beatbox. <laughs> and probably was. Yeah, maybe. All right, well, that vibraphone. was... Vibraphone. Who is a uh, cake used vibraphones uh, extensively through their music? It's, it's a neat instrument. Well, you'd know more about that than me. All I know is that it's when you had an old Casio or one of those sort of Hammond organ style synthesizers from the 70s, vibraphone was one of the settings you could use. Oh, okay, because it's an actual instrument made with, um, it's kind of like this, I don't know, it's hard to describe. Look it up. Google it. <laughs> Will <laughs> do. If, if you look up the band, if you look up the band Cake, if you want to look up some Cake after the show and play some Cake, you'll hear it in almost all their songs. They use it a lot, and they, they make it sound really good. I have it's played kind of little... Cake on a previous episode. Really? I didn't realize they were free and open source. They were on Gemendo or Magnatune, one or the other. Really, eh? That was way back. Mind you, they've been around since like the late 80s. Yeah, I'd have to go digging around for whatever song it was, but I know uh, a Cake song made it into the show. So. Oh, excellent. Well, there's a reason for that. Good on you, Cake. I'm a huge fan. Cake. Everybody loves cake. Yeah, you can have your cake and eat it too. Sure you can. You just buy more cake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, once upon a time, we talked with the guys from Sierra Radio Systems and Technology, and I got to meet up with them at the Dayton Hamvention back in May. And we talked to them about some of their products and uh, some of the new stuff they were going to be advertising up there at Hamvention. And we really haven't heard much since from them, but it sounds like you had the opportunity to try out some of their stuff, and you're going to give us a little review, I think. Yeah, I did. I thought this was very exciting. Uh, you guys might remember, it wasn't too far ago, uh, back in episode 105, uh, we interviewed uh, George from Sierra Radio and uh, Nick from Pignology, and uh, two uh, class acts. Uh, I very much enjoyed that interview. And uh, I actually got to play one of my friends, uh, John uh, V2EQL, who I've mentioned on the show before. lives around the corner, a fellow ham radio guy, a huge in the ham radio uh, scene here in, in and around Montreal and actually even into the northern United States. I think John belongs to like 20 clubs. Uh, you see him everywhere. He's always presenting. So in uh, there was this uh, event that I mentioned a few weeks ago called uh, Radio Talk, which happened this past weekend in the West Island of Montreal. And my friend John was one of the presenters. And uh, he knows a lot about uh, emergency power and batteries. And he also knows quite a bit about uh, radio and rig control. So that's what uh, he was uh, presenting on. He's done radio control presentations in the past. This is John V2EQL. Uh, he's done them in the past uh, using uh, his iPhone and Skype as rig control. But he found, this, as we've experienced tonight, that Skype could be a little touchy at times. So he went out and he bought uh, some equipment from uh, Technology and from uh, Sierra Radio. And uh, we got to play around with that. He was having trouble. He, he actually called me up because he was having trouble getting sound into the equipment. He couldn't couldn't talk to the equipment remotely. So he called me over one night. And, uh, you know, two heads are better than one kind of thing. So um, he basically had his, uh, he has a K3, a very nice K3 uh, that he had set up. Uh, and he was trying to run it uh, from his iPhone as well as from his um, Mac laptop. So he basically used uh, Pignology's uh, Pig Remote and uh, Sierra's uh, radio station controller. So the radio station controller connected to the K3, the Pig Remote connected uh, to your uh, router, 
and uh, they talk with uh, to each other uh, via the router and via a Cat5 uh, cable. And uh, using the uh, on the Mac laptop, he was using something called the let's see the KX3UI, K3UI, K2UI software package, uh, which basically just provides the graphical interface uh, for controlling the aircraft radio from your Mac or PC. And perhaps there's a Linux equivalent. I actually haven't looked that up. Of course there is. What am I saying? an idiot. Strike that from the record, please. So uh, with the iPhone, uh, he was using a little uh, software called uh, Pig Remote, which we mentioned in uh, the episode in uh, episode 105 in the interview, and uh, we got it to work quite well. His problem basically was uh, simply he had a bad audio cable uh, between the Pig Remote and the K3, so the audio input uh, cable was defective, so the audio wasn't going into the K3. Uh, Simple problem, but you know, you troubleshoot that the cables were new, so of course, we'd never suspected them. And after a while, we kind of eliminated, and, and that's the uh, the only thing that it could be. So, after about an hour and a half of troubleshooting, uh, we figured out that it was a, a simple cable, which is usually the case, as many of you uh, techies out there know. Uh, it's always very, very simple. Uh, it just takes you a long time to get there. So uh, the very impressive part was that uh, it was 9 p.m. by the time uh, uh, we were uh, kind of scratching our heads, and uh, so he decided to give the uh, support uh, line a call. So he went on to Technology's website and uh, looked up the uh, contact info, uh, gave the phone number a call, expecting to leave a, uh, a voicemail. Uh, but uh, it's 6 p.m. California time, which is where Pignology is based. And then Nick himself uh, answered live and in person. And uh, he was there to uh, help troubleshoot, uh, give great advice. So a uh, great example of uh, incredible customer service uh, from our friends at Pignology and Sierra, Sierra Radio. So I uh, thought it was worth a mention. And uh, it was uh, very, very interesting. Once we got the cable problem figured out, uh, it worked like a charm. Uh, uh, either remotely, um, we tried it remotely, we tried it uh, via 3G, uh, and we tried it internally uh, via the, uh, uh, the wireless, uh, just within his wireless environment. All three worked uh, like a charm. So for those of you who were wondering, uh, you know, when you get guys uh, like George and Nick, of course they're here to uh, promote their product and boast about them. They develop them, they're proud about them. So I'm not going to say anything bad about them, but I'm just here to say that uh, I got to play around with it, and I was very, very impressed. Uh, as we mentioned uh, back in episode 105, the stuff is, is really affordable too. Uh, so uh, if you guys want to go around and play with it, I uh, give it uh, two thumbs up uh, from, uh, from Pete in Montreal. <clears throat> okay. I'm not sure what I can add to that. I, w I was sitting here pondering how I could somehow embellish your, your recitation of that experience. But it, um, as far as uh, tech support from, from Nick out there in California, well, when you're a company of one, I guess you kind of have to be on the ball. Yeah, you, you should be, but it doesn't mean you're going to be. Well, that's very true. Yeah, he could have been at dinner or something and... Still help yeah, you guys. Yeah, no, you know, quite quite impressive. Oh, another thing we tried, I forgot to mention too, uh, with the uh, we set up uh, John's iPhone uh, as a Wi-Fi hotspot and connected via the Mac, and that worked quite well also. So uh, absolutely no trouble. Of course, audio is very low bandwidth, and that's basically all you're shooting through. So a uh, little bit of control and some audio. So um, quite easy to manage. Uh, you know, you don't need a, the the latest and greatest, uh, and then you can be off. Uh, you know, doing HF uh, from the office if you want. And the audio coming through that device is supposed to be using Codec 2, if I recall correctly. And I'm not sure that they actually implemented that, but it's supposed to be that eventually. 
if not now. Oh, I'm not sure. I didn't go that deep into it. So, uh, of course, you have to, uh, you know, once you set it up, it, it comes, the guides were very, very uh, well explained. I went through all of the literature to make sure John had done everything correctly, you know, just to double check. Um, you, you have to do a few things, uh, you know, some port forwards on your router and things like that. Nothing any more complicated than if you're setting up echoing. Uh, and, and once you get all of the uh, equipment, it comes with all the uh, the paperwork that supports it and tells you what settings you need to be with different types of equipment. And, uh, it even went as far as to uh, give you a sheet for specified. John specified that he had his K3 hooked into the system. I'm assuming that they ask you when you buy your equipment and he had a sheet which told you what settings you should put your K3 on, so the audio in, the audio out, etc., so that you didn't have feedback loops and things like that, which we ended up having anyways, but we kind of adjusted for them, and, and with the uh, instruction sheets, it made everything uh, very, very simple. So uh, kudos to Epignology uh, and uh, Sierra Radio. Uh, you guys have really cool stuff, and I'm, I'm glad that I got to play around with it. Yeah, I was impressed with the stuff they showed off at Hamvention. I wish I had had more time to spend with them, but they were a very busy booth, uh, the whole time that I was aware of them because I, I didn't get a chance to move around much, but when I was anywhere near them, they were always swamped. So obviously they're doing something right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I'm going to, going to play around with some more of their stuff if I can. Uh, and if not, uh, if, if not the stuff, then at least uh, some of the software that they have uh, is very cool as well. So yeah, give them uh I was just going to give them a shout, but give them a visit. Check out the uh, websites, uh, Technology and uh, Sierra Radio Systems. Yeah, don't shout at them unless you really need to. No. All right, this next story about Steam is that Linux... Um, you're not talking about Steam itself being available for Linux, because it already is. You're talking about games which are available for Steam being available for Steam for Linux. That's correct, yes? Well, it's more that Steam is developing more of a gaming side to it, as was my understanding. So Valve is releasing... Uh, they, it, it's weird because the article makes it look like, it's like, hey, we're just, you know, we're, we're releasing SteamOS. Woohoo! It's new, it's, but it's not. Um, so the article is a little misleading until you get into it. And basically, it's just it's that SteamOS is going to be more specialized as a Linux gaming system if that makes sense. So that's an article by uh, Stephen uh, J. Vaughn Nichols, uh, who's writing for Linux uh, and open source, uh, released uh, yesterday, September 23rd. Um, so uh, did you want to start, or may I proceed? Well, I mean, my dealings with Steam on Linux are nil, pretty much, because I'm not much of a gamer. I do know we talked about the fact that Steam was going to be released for Linux back when it was, but I don't think we've touched on Steam OS, uh, the idea of a Linux gaming platform, uh, which apparently this is. So if you'd like to go ahead and dive in, go right ahead. Yeah, well, the article basically talked about uh, the CEO of Valve, uh, who was speaking at LinuxCon last uh, September 18th, and uh, the quote was, uh, Linux is the future of gaming. Uh, basically talking about Valve uh, releasing uh, this uh, uh, thing called Steambox, Linux-powered gaming console. It's on Linux for Gamers, uh, SteamOS, so the combination of the two. Uh, but they also say that the uh, details are very scarce. So uh, at least one Linux expert who's seen it uh, 
somebody from the Linux Foundation, and his name is Jim Zemlin. I'm not familiar with this gentleman, uh, but I'm sure he's a fine, upstanding citizen. Uh, he says, and I quote, with all due respect to the others, which I love, this could be the best Linux distribution yet. So that's a, a very uh, uh, ambitious statement. So uh, basically, uh, Valve describes SteamOS as uh, combining the rock-solid architecture of Linux with a gaming experience built for the big screen. It will be available soon, a uh, free standalone system for the living room machine. Uh, and what is a living room machine? Well, uh, they claim that uh, it's a network-connected computer with an HDMI interface, of course, uh, HDMI being high-definition multimedia interface, which uh, anybody who is uh, into uh, gaming or technology will know what it is. Uh, so that means you'll be playing your PC games on your HDTV, uh, which you can already do with a Windows box, but apparently you can't do yet uh, with a Linux box. So uh, it's not going to be a closed system. They say it's going to be a very open systems because open systems advance much faster. They also claim that the old console guys aren't competitive uh, because there's a huge tension in proprietary systems. I can't talk anymore. Uh, and closed systems are at odds with the evolution of gaming. That's what they claim. So by making the system open, uh, it'll progress faster. So from from that concept alone, if they stay true to that, that, that was uh, very worthwhile. So uh, they say uh, Valve isn't turning its back on Windows and Mac OS customers because they develop uh, stuff for them too, uh, but they'll be able to play their old games by streaming them via the SteamOS-powered PC on their HD TVs. So I uh, thought it was uh, kind of an interesting thing. I uh, thought I'd mention it for those of you who may be interested in gaming or who are gamers. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of the cool games uh, tend to be on the... Uh, more popular systems on the more popular OS's. So if that's uh, up and coming, then uh, more power to them. And, and I hope uh, I hope it is what they say it's going to be. And we have a pause. <laughs> Go to the bathroom? <laughs> no, I'm here. Segway, segway. <laughs> we, don't, <laughs> we don't need no stinking segway. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, that's what they claim. So more of a, a gaming system for Linux. It'll be interesting to see if it really comes to pass because while they may believe that the closed source gaming system is not the future, they seem to be doing real well. I mean, I myself have an Xbox 360. Everybody I know has either an Xbox 360, a PS3, or a PS4. And I guess uh, the PS5 is coming out and then there's the Xbox One, which everybody I know is not touching. But... Um, yeah. I have a PS2. Uh, we have a PS2 as well. <laughs> and then we have a GameCube. Yep, I've got I'm, one of those I'm, too. I'm amazed, I'm amazed I don't have an Atari here somewhere. Uh, we have two uh, Super Nintendos. Ooh, cool. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Not Super Nintendos, two original Nintendos. Original Nintendos. Yeah, that was a Legend of Zelda on original Nintendo. That was pretty, that was pretty ghetto. <laughs> ghetto <laughs> <laughs> well compared to the graphics today i know but some of those older games are just a lot more fun regardless oh, of how cool. ghetto they are it. yeah so uh, speaking of which uh uh grand theft auto uh, is, is released this week too not not open source at all but huge news in the gaming community since we're talking about uh, gaming 
uh, Grand Theft Auto, I believe, 5 was released this week and uh, it was, was huge. It was all over the, the media networks around here anyways. Uh, you know, I couldn't care less about Grand Theft Auto, honestly, quite frankly, but uh, other people might. I know. Yeah, so it's a huge game. You know, they had lineups and everything. It's a, it was an event. And welcome to Gaming in the Ham Shack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know. All right. Well, for those people who are interested in gaming, Steam OS might be a way to go. So uh, try it out. If yeah. if anybody tries it out and is you know and likes it or dislikes it, we'd be interested in hearing about it. I think. Well, we'll have to wait till it gets released first because even the uh, Linux people don't seem to know too much about it. So we'll see. We'll see if it even comes. Oh, that's okay. It'll it'll probably come eventually in some form or another. Maybe it won't be called Steam OS, but somebody will. You know, attempts have been made at, at gaming Linux systems before but not not from a company as large as Valve. So we'll see how it turns out. I'm surprised there's not more because because Linux, you know, the various flavors and distributions make everything so much more efficient. If you put that efficiency into a little bomb of a machine, that's the perfect recipe for, for gaming or anything that's, uh, you know, the, the graphics side of it is already relatively well-developed when it comes to uh, photo and video editing software. There's some pretty cool Linux applications there, so I'm, I'm surprised there just hasn't been more efforts in, into gaming. Yeah. Is there, maybe somebody in the chat room can speak to this. I don't remember exactly, but I was pretty sure that there was a project for a, like a game top box uh, built on Linux that was supposed to be coming out soon. If it's not out already, um, I don't remember what it's called. If indeed such a thing exists, but I seem to recall there was a project for, for a system of that type. Uh, and the biggest drawback to it that I'm aware of was that there just weren't that many games for it and of course that's a huge drawback when you consider the the number of games for the for the sony and and microsoft platforms yeah i guess you'd have to get some gamers who can code too then you'd have some pretty cool stuff well supposedly gamers can code you know they work in these you know animation shops and stuff and build their uh game their rendering engines and all that stuff but they only do it for windows and mac so they're losers yeah, losers. Losers. <laughs> losers and making the sign of an L on my forehead. And if we had video, we could see that. That's right. All right, so I guess we'll move on from SteamOS and talk briefly about the Accessible Computing Foundation, which is a project that was started by Jonathan Netto, a person who has been mentioned on the show many times and interviewed on the show at least once, possibly twice. Uh, he got an excellent write-up. Uh, in a recent edition of Linux Magazine by Bruce Byfield, where they did a an interview with Jonathan, and he got to talk at length, uh, at least as far as the article is concerned, about the Accessible Computing Foundation and about Sonar, the operating system that they are developing. And they were talking about their upcoming nonprofit status and how they're assembling their board of directors and how everybody on it is a blind user because they wanted everyone to be, you know, intimate with the details of accessible computing. And I think they're doing a good job of getting the word out and starting with a sound foundation for creating a software platform. And that platform will be based on Linux. And I saw something on Google Plus just before, or no, it wasn't Google Plus. I think it was Facebook, actually, just before 
we started the show where Jonathan said that they were going to be basing Sonar on Manjaro Linux, which is a distribution based on Arch. And uh, I know you and I have both tried at least briefly Manjaro Linux and liked it a lot. So it sounds like it'll be an excellent foundation uh, for Sonar, uh, the accessible computing uh, operating system that the ACF is building. Yeah, very cool. And kudos to uh, to Jonathan, Jonathan Nadeau, which we've mentioned in French and in English, uh, for for the uh, the enterprise. I think that's. Uh, I mean, any any time you're talking about accessible technologies, uh, mentions in the article how expensive they can be in the proprietary software. So um, usually, and I work in this in this field, so I know that people who are you know people with various disabilities are often uh, socially. N not as as um, you know, they just don't have as much money. People, for whatever reason, they they can't can't work can't work as much as other people, or or whatever it may be. Uh, your condition usually requires uh, adaptations that cost thousands of dollars anyway. So if if you have to, you know, if you can get something as simple as a software, and you have to end up paying you know a thousand bucks or more for a software, for something that could help you communicate or whatever it may be. Uh, I think it's a shame that money gets in the way. So uh, good on them. And he even mentioned, see what I just said. Most people live on a fixed income, don't even see that kind of money in a month. Referring to the thousand dollar plus uh, uh, programs, you know. So 80% of uh, blind people in the United States are unemployed. So usually the only way people with disabilities can get this software is through government assistance or non-government organizations, NGOs, that will purchase a copy of the software for them. Of course, you can always find it pirated, which we do not condone, but pirating is free. Free and open source, pirating since the 1700s. There's this bit where he says, so usually the only way people have uh, assistance or non-government organizations will purchase a copy of the software for them. It's really only a win-win for the company because there's limited funding and only a small percentage of people can actually get the copy of assisti assistive technology they need to run a computer, which to me sounds a bit contradictory because a, a software company that produces assistive software, it seems to me they don't want to limit the availability of their software. They want to have more availability of their software so that they can make more money. It seems uh, rather f foolish of them to limit the availability of their software to people who get government grants or uh, grants from charities or other, you know, folks who happen to have a lot of money because it seems like they would not receive as much money if they just made it a little bit cheaper and everyone was, it was able to buy it. Well, I agree, but it's the same thing with pharmaceutical companies who create medicine that could cure people, but the people who can't afford it don't buy it, and if they brought the price down, but then they say, oh yeah, but the cost of R&D, blah, 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 and that's all bullshit, because it's like any other company, the bottom line is, you know, what the shareholders want, and the shareholders aren't the people who need the product, so the price stays up, and the shares stay up, and it's it's just this big, never-ending circle of greed, but anyhow, um, yeah, that's that just seems to be the way it is. It, it would be nice. Uh, and, and if this sonar project takes off, well, maybe that'll be a, a new start. Yeah, either way, uh, congratulations to Jonathan for getting the ACF into Linux Magazine and, and really getting it out there to the open source community at large because 
Uh, he's been doing a lot to, you know, promote awareness of the foundation. And up until recently, I think he's pretty much been doing it entirely single-handedly. And, uh, I think all of his hard work has really paid off. So, uh, excellent Jonathan. And I'm glad the ACF is, is going well. And, uh, I'm actually a, a financial contributor to the ACF. So I feel good about that. Well, very good. Awesome. Awesome. Good. Good on you. And, uh, bravo, bravo, Jonathan. <laughs> I got him speaking French before he knows it. Uh, I don't know. We're going to have to cut you off. <laughs> you can't. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you could. All right. So anyway, the last topic I wanted to bring up is something I just found out about uh, in a recent article also in Linux magazine, and it's about a distribution based on Debian called Tails, and Tails stands for the Amnesic Incognito Live System. So it's a Debian-based live CD or live USB stick based uh, distribution that you can throw into any computer that you happen to be near, especially useful if you're in a public place like a coffee shop or some kind of uh, land gaming institution, for example, or library, something like that. Uh, you can reboot into this distribution and it basically sets up an anonymous web experience for you a fully functioning linux distribution but all of the network connectivity is anonymized and run through the tor network which is set up for you automatically and it's all done live so uh, all of your traffic is encrypted and anonymized through tor and then when you power off the machine and pull out your disk or your usb stick there is no trace of you ever having been there so for all of you tinfoil hat folks, you may want to try out uh, the Tails distribution, which you can find at uh, HTTPS colon stroke stroke Tails dot Baum, which is Bravo Oscar Uniform Mike dot org. Uh, the only thing I would caution you about this, and I think this is rather interesting for a security based distribution, is if you look at their most recent change logs, um, basically what they all say is, there are huge security vulnerabilities in Tails, and uh, apparently that's what they've spent their last few uh, minor release points uh, fixing, is all of the security vulnerabilities, which uh, might be a little problematic for those looking for an anonymized, uh, secure Linux distro. Uh, but I guess at some point they will achieve a reasonable level of security, in which case, uh, this will become useful at some point. Uh, I don't particularly care, uh, if the NSA and the prison program see that I have, uh, Googled for, uh, various herbal remedies or, um, my favorite common or creative commons music or whatever it is that I'm searching for. So I don't really need any of this, but like I said, for our tinfoil hat folks, this might be a, uh, a great thing to try uh, makes all of your data encrypted anonymized and leaves no trace that you were actually ever at a terminal so uh, I don't know how not useful for me but I can't see it I mean yeah for the tinfoil hat folks the people who like to surf porn in public I, I don't know <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to figure out where I would use this but I 
I think it'd have to be a spy or something. Just just from the cool aspect, I think it's neat. I think it's cool that you can do that if you don't want to leave a trace. But um, yeah, unless you're kind of a sketchy guy or or you're security crazy, not crazy as in you know, woohoo, loony. But I mean, just you know, yeah. I I have no idea what to say. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. obvious by my rambling. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sure either. But one thing, one thing I guess this is good for is some people like the idea of anonymous browsing through Tor, but Tor by itself is notoriously hard to set up properly. So this might be a way for those folks to get Tor working without having to go through a, a whole bunch of effort. Um, what is Tor, anyways? Because I've. Uh... A couple of months ago here, there was this big stink on how Tor had this. This was on the, on the local news. Uh, I think it even made the national news. But uh, Tor had this thing called uh, some, I think it was called the Silk Network, where people could order marijuana online or something like that. You know, I can't remember exactly what it was. But I remember it had to do with Tor, and, and they were saying how, is it like a BitTorrent, or, or what is it exactly? Um, Tor is ac actually an acronym. It stands for the Onion Router. And what it is, is a method of proxying your traffic through a network of anonymized computers all over the, all over the globe, and then having your traffic exit and ingress at random exit points throughout the world so that no one can figure out where that traffic originated from. So you may be, you know, using your computer in Montreal but it looks to the websites that you're surfing to that you're actually in Malaysia or Germany or South Africa or something. And because it goes through several nodes, several anonymized nodes in the Tor network, they cannot trace the traffic back to its originating point. Um, there is... There's a performance hit with this, though, because the anonymization and the route that your packets take tend to go through several random nodes before they egress somewhere. Uh, meaning that you are definitely taking a performance hit on your web browsing. So if you're trying to like game this way, it's not really effective. Uh, but if you're trying to get your kitty porn, then I guess it would be the way to do it. Crazy. So I'm, I can imagine why there would be then a lot of sketchy things going on. And I'm guessing nobody polices this because it's the internet and it's all over the world. So uh, it continues. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where some people use it just because they don't want Google keeping an eye on what they're doing. And some people do it because they're clearly doing illegal things and they want that traffic anonymized. And so you know, what do you do? It's a worldwide process, the Tor network. How do you draw the line? How do you police it, et cetera, et cetera. It's like BitTorrents because BitTorrent is used for legal things and illegal things. So, you know, and, and it's a distributed, it's a distributed network with no centralization. So again, pretty much unpoliceable and you take the bad with the good, I guess. Yeah, I guess with uh, great power comes great responsibility. Or a great absence of it. Yeah, they didn't tell you that in Spider-Man, though. <laughs> well, no, of course not. Spider-Man's <laughs> a good guy, and he never used Tor. Oh, well, we don't know what he did in his spare time. They, they edited those parts out. <laughs> that's that's very true. Probably for good he, measure. He was a young man after all in the, uh, <laughs> the later versions, so you know. Yep. Uh, good old. Anyways, but we digress. <laughs> uh, as usual. 
All right. So uh, you've uh, you've given me the second bit of music for the show again tonight because my world is incredibly busy and I'm far too busy in parentheses lazy to find music for the show. So uh, go ahead and tell us about better not to joke. Yeah, another uh, surfing uh, over Jamendo, as I like to do. I found this uh, band called the Dope Stars, Inc. Uh, the song is called Better Not the Joke uh, from an album called Ultra Wired, courtesy of Jamendo. Duration is 3 minutes and 51. Uh, this is uh, published uh, recently. It's a new tune uh, from July of 2013. Uh, this band is from uh, Italy, Rome, and it, uh, it's a little bit uh, atypical from what we usually play. It's got a... Kind of an industrial uh, nine-inch nails influence, I thought. So it kind of struck a chord with me because I, I really always liked Trent Reznor and, and what he did with nine-inch nails. So uh, hopefully you guys will like this one. Uh, it's called Better Not to Joke. It's by the Dope Stars, Inc. So we hope you like it.
and it's over. <laughs> Just like that. Yes. Oh, wow. So, yes, very industrial, very Nine Inch Nails sounding, and very repetitive. Yeah. <laughs> A little bit. It had a beat to it. <laughs> it had a beat, and you can dance to it. There you go. <laughs> or, <laughs> or something. Something like that, yeah. You can dance to it if you want. Well, you could bang your head to it, sure. Absolutely. And we're going nowhere. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so let's do some feedback before we get to the social media roundup. We did have a couple of items, so uh, I guess you can go ahead and hit the first one. All right, uh, we had uh, feedback from uh, David A., who was listening uh, live last episode. He writes uh, via email, uh, I enjoy the flow of the show. Thanks for helping Dad and I tap into the live feed. Says so 73 is from uh, Dr. D., and that's uh, my buddy uh, Dave, uh, who lives in uh, northern New York State. So uh, thanks a lot for the feedback, Dave. We're glad uh, that you guys enjoy the show. We uh, I had them live in the uh, chat box uh, last week. They're not there today. But then again, I forgot to remind them that we were uh, live tonight. So uh, I'll have to do that next time. See, it's all your fault. It's always my fault. I'm Canadian, so I'll just apologize. I'm sorry. <laughs> all right, I suppose. I'll accept your <laughs> apology for this time. Yeah, thanks. But uh, thanks, guys, for showing up for the last show and uh, listening live, and hopefully you'll be able to do it next time. And maybe if you listen next time, you'll be one of the first people to hear the interview with, with Richard and Brady. That would be great, huh? Absolutely. I'm going to keep our fingers crossed on that one. We'll try to uh, maybe uh, Richard's boss is listening, and we can convince him to put Richard on days then. Yeah, well, I, I wonder if he likes night driving. He probably does. It's It's probably soothing to be out there at night. I don't know. It scares the crap out of me because you never know when a moose is going to jump out in front of you. I don't know. I don't think there's a whole lot of moose in Montana and Colorado. but <laughs> The elusive Montana moose. <laughs> the Montana moose. I think we have a restaurant <laughs> here called that or something. Perhaps. All right. Uh, well, we yeah, do have yeah, some we'll feedback. That works out. Yeah. We'll, we'll see. Hopefully. So uh, we got a couple of bits of feedback here from, uh, from Johnny and for J.E.K., well, let me go ahead and uh, we'll run through those. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Johnny K. Uh, from Jacksonville, Florida, left us two comments uh, in the show notes uh, 111 section of lhspodcast.info. Uh, in reference to uh, what we're mentioning in the episode uh, 111, uh, how uh, we can, we we're talking about solar, the first solar powered uh, laptop, which was coming out. And uh, we we're talking about, uh, Russ at one point made a joke about hand cranking uh, the uh, batteries to see if you could, uh, you know, charge it. And uh, Johnny actually found a uh, product on Amazon. We'll put the uh, link in the uh, show notes, but it's a little uh, uh, USB socket with a crank that you can uh, plug your portable devices. Uh, so he says, if you need a, a hand crank power, you could use this, and he sends the link uh, from Amazon. He says, but I doubt it would be enough to recharge your laptop batteries, or it should work for small devices like phones and tablets. So uh, uh, check that out in the show notes. It's called the uh, Generator Portable Electronics uh, crank and socket, I believe. Link is like three miles long, so I'm trying to figure that out. Um, so Johnny writes, uh, "Okay, I know the feeling. Uh, I know the feeling, Russ. And just this past week, uh, I blew away you, Moon too. So he's referring, refer, referring, referring to Russ uh, in uh, two episodes ago was mentioning how he had the uh, FOSS blues." 
And uh, so referring to that, it says, uh, just this past week I blew away Ubuntu, mainly because I tried to upgrade 12.4 LTS to 13.1, but it blew up. The reason I did the upgrade in Ubuntu is because Ubuntu was locking up and causing multimedia apps to hang. So I went back to my roots. Roots. I installed Slackware on my laptop. Slackware was the first Linux distro that I started with. I must say, coming back to Slackware has been refreshing. Granted, I have not switched over to the generic kernel yet, but it feels good and solid. No hang-ups. I actually installed Dropline GNOME because I have never really liked KDE. So it's a really nice fit so far, and everything is just working. I think you should try it, Russ, he says. Now, I love to try different OSs, but I try to do that on non-production machines. Um, I really was hating life last week when I broke my laptop, but I think it was for the best. Slackware will be on my laptop at least until I break it. Uh, but so far, it seems very stable, and, hap and I'm happy since it's running exactly what I want and the way I want it to. Anyway, I haven't started adding any of the amateur radio-specific apps, so who knows, I may switch to something else. Anyway, this is, uh, uh, this is way too my typing for this slacker. Way too much, I think, is what he meant. Anyway, this is way too much typing for this slacker. And he'll say 73s, uh, but he puts in a postscript. By the way, Johnny K equals N4JEK. And he adds, uh, also, long before there were podcasts, there, were, uh, there was uh, products like Shoutcast and Icecast and other audio video casting. So that Adam guy, we all know who uh, he's referring to, is not the beginning of media casting. He may have started the talk show via media casting, but I was casting my MP3 collection via Shoutcast using a product Icecast back in the like 90s, early 2000s, uh, where I would play my music for me and my friends, and there were thousands doing that many years before his show. And yes, I would DJ via Icecast, which was really cool using Slackware at the time. Smiley face. Uh, what goes around comes around, I guess. Uh, so here he is back with Slackware again. And that's signed uh, Johnny K and for J-E-K. So uh, thanks a lot, uh, Johnny, for the feedback. Uh, that's all uh, very interesting. And uh, yeah, I have to tend to agree with a lot of what he says. Yeah, and I've tried Slackware the last uh, couple of versions. Uh, I did the 13.37, the elite version of Slackware. I tried that out, and I think they're up to, what, 15 now? I want to say, or maybe maybe even later than that, but I want to say I've tried Slackware 15 as well, uh, taking a brief look over at the Slackware website, hoping that it loads in time to me not sound like I'm stumbling around looking for distribution information. 14.0, 15.0, anyway, whatever the last one is, I've tried it. And the thing about all the distributions, except for Debian, really, are they're all, to me, usable and functional, but I'm just so comfortable with Debian's package manager that I always come back to it. I don't have anything in particular against, you know, the Red Hat-based distributions like SUSE or CentOS or or any of those, or I don't have anything against Pac-Man and the Arch-based distributions other than it's needlessly complicated. I can use Gentoo and eMerge. Um, I can even use Solaris and the package add type stuff and, and all of those things, but I'm just so comfortable with Debian and apt and dpackage 
that I always find myself going back to them after I try other things. So, I mean, Slackware is a great distribution. Manjaro's great. Fedora, you know, I suppose it's great. I always come back to Debian uh, and or Mint and, and just enjoy them more because that's where my level of expertise is, I guess. So uh, yes. thank, thanks for the suggestion anyway. I mean, uh, it's not like I don't try these things because I do. Um, I just never stick with them. It's, um, you know, whatever you're comfortable with. Like I always say, if it works for you, then use it and don't let anybody give you grief for it. If you find something that works, you know, the old adage, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So if, if you're using it and it works and you're happy with it, then I'll, more power to you. And yeah, thanks, Johnny, for, for sharing that with us. I actually haven't played with anything in the uh, Slackware, Slackware realm, so I... Uh, and actually uh, look that up, download it, and uh, give it a shot just to see uh, if it's a better fit than uh, the various things I'm using now. Right now, I'm actually uh, I actually loaded uh, Rich's distribution, <laughs> which is called HamOS uh, version 1248. So I was hoping to have them on tonight, uh, but still, I'm playing with that version, and uh, you know. Um, just getting used to it, and I can understand the frustration of, uh, you know, you have something, you're you're comfortable with it, it, it works, it does everything you need, you know where everything is. All of a sudden, you put in a new distribution, and yeah, it's cool and it's wonderful and everything works, but things are in different places, and you got to get used to it. So sometimes you got to be a little patient, and I, I think we all tend to fall back on on what we know best or or what's most comfortable, or you know, the first Linux distribution that you like. You know, we we come back to Crunchbang regularly on this show because a lot of us have played with it and it was one of the first distributions I tried and I regularly go back to it just because you know it, it's kind of partly nostalgic and, and partly because it works when you want it to work so um, yeah I, I think that's great yeah and as far as Icecast and Shoutcast I should probably throw in a mention for the fact that if you're listening to any of the live stuff that comes off of our show whether it be the LHS Live and our recording uh, via uh, the internet of our live show every two weeks, or whether you're listening to any of the music feeds that come off the stream.lhspodcast.info site, those are all powered by Icecast. So uh, I'm quite familiar with IceCast and the ability to stream live using that particular technology and uh, still use it today. Very cool. See, Linux, a pioneer in the uh, podcasting industry. Absolutely. And we are pioneering as well. (laughs) In more ways than one. (laughs) Uh, That's pioneering, not pining. (laughs) (laughs) Really? All right. Well, that's about all the feedback we had for this uh, episode, this uh, two-week. Yeah, that was huge. That was good. Yeah, it was good. Uh, Well, wordy, if nothing else. Well, wordy feedback is good feedback. (laughs) I guess so. Don't want just a thumbs up. Hey. You know what would be better than, well, actually a thumbs up would be fine, but you know what would be better than wordy feedback would be voice feedback. Listen to my voice, people. Voice (laughs) feedback. One nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. Call the number, and even if you're just going to give us a "Hey man, I like your show" type feedback, that's fine. You know, I would just like to hear some voice feedback from our listeners, and that's all I'll say about that. 
Yeah, we get it once in a while, I guess, but a few and far between, so it would be nice to get a little bit more. Or even better, or not better, but uh, equivalent if you wish to uh, record a small MP3 of yourself and uh, send that in, a little bit of a soundbite, that's acceptable too. Absolutely, and even if you want to promote something of yours that you're doing, a podcast you have, or just want to make people aware of something that you do, we do have a, a sizable listener base, and it might behoove you to let us know that you exist, and then we can let other people know that you exist. So uh, send in those voice feedbacks. We'd really like to hear them. Indeed. Although, you know, written feedback's good, too. Yeah, any feedback is good. Feedback is good. Even if it's bad feedback, it's good. There's no bad feedback. That's right. There's no good feed. There's only constructive that's, criticism. It's just, con well, there's no, it's not only constructive criticism, but if you look at it as <laughs> all constructive, as, you know, it's all good. You can learn from any comment, be it polite or impolite. rude. <laughs> exactly. So let's uh, run through the social media roundup and then we'll get the flip out of here. All right. Uh, well, uh, let's see. I uh, have not ran into anything on Twitter lately. Uh, Facebook, we have a whole bunch of likes on Facebook, which is cool. Uh, thanks a lot to uh, Bob W., to Rob H., uh, who gave us uh, likes on Linux in the Hamshack. Uh, and also, when uh, episode 111 uh, was released, uh, we got uh, three likes uh, for that comment. So uh, Robert B., Tom R., and uh, Richard Bailey. Richard, who gave us a like, was happy that uh, episode 111 was released. So thanks to you guys for uh, taking the time to uh, visit the Facebook page and throwing uh, us a thumbs up. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, aside from that, uh, let's see, uh, nothing on Google Plus that I could find. Uh, Status.net is your thing, uh, but I see nothing in the show notes. Uh, we have a yearly donation uh, subscription from Michael C., uh, which you can uh, enlighten me as to whether it's a new subscription or a renewal. I believe that's a re-up. So thanks, Michael, for that. I appreciate your support, of course. Uh, and uh, that pretty much uh, goes uh, nothing from Google+, Plus uh, except for uh, me and Russ uh, using Google+, Plus right now as we speak. Uh, moved away from Skype uh, due to various problems, for those of you who weren't in the chat room. That's another reason you should join us uh, on the stream live, is you could uh, be entertained by us trying to troubleshoot uh, everything that goes wrong uh, before we actually record this podcast. Yes, and I would like to point out that we actually had 12 listeners, 12 live listeners uh, of the show tonight, and um, I'm not sure all of them who were in the chat room, but in the chat room, we can go ahead and mention the folks that are in there. We have uh, AK4WQ, Babylon Lurker, B. Finch, Claudio Miranda, EI7IG, who I know is long in bed right now, uh, Elkaset, uh, Guard Zero, who is actually AE5CP, he's just incognito. Uh, Hard Olaf, who is one of the developers of the Bedrock Linux platform, who hangs out in our chat room all the time. Uh, Jay Lindsay, Mintcast Rob, who I know is not here and uh, should be shot for hanging out in our chat room and not actually showing up for our show. Of course, I haven't hung out in a Mintcast show for a while. Uh, Symbola. VE2HKW, who is Harrison, Ted, WA0EIR, and of course you, Pete, you and me, we're here. Yeah, we're in the chat room. We're, we're listening to ourselves. That's lives, right. We're uh, listening to ourselves. Every week. Absolutely. 
All right. Thanks, well, thanks, thanks everyone for being there live and putting up with us. Uh, we're troubleshooting at the beginning. Thanks for your patience uh, and thanks for your continued support. <laughs> Absolutely, and thanks to all of our listeners. Even if you don't send us feedback or don't, you know, actively contribute, just being a downloader and a listener of the show is why we're here and why we do this thing every two weeks. So uh, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. And uh, with that, I think we're about ready to, you know, fire up the outro music and wrap up episode number 114. So I'll let you uh, start it up and go for it. All right. Well, uh, thanks a lot uh, for everyone. Thanks to our monthly and yearly subscribers, of course. Uh, thanks to all of our listeners. Thanks to everyone who's uh, listening to us live and uh, quasi-live uh, via podcast. Uh, check out our website. Uh, lhspodcast.info of course uh, where you can also subscribe subscribe to our mailing list uh, we hope you do keep uh, abreast of all the uh, latest and greatest news happening uh, you can uh, if you have any questions or comments you can email us at info at lhspodcast.info that goes to both me and Russ we'll respond as quickly as is humanly possible we don't do too bad I don't think leave us a voicemail as Russ was mentioning 1-909-547-7469 and an easier way to remember is 1-909-LHS-SHOW go to Cafe Press uh, go to Print Infection buy some of our show merchandise uh, because each purchase helps out the show a little bit and you can listen to us live every other Tuesday at 8 p.m. Central. Uh, and our recording will be available on the website, of course. Uh, next uh, episode, uh, October 8th, uh, we hopefully will have uh, Richard and Brady from the Low SWR podcast. So thanks, everyone. My name is Pete, Victor Echo 2 X-Ray Papa Lima. I'm in Montreal uh, saying 7-3, and we'll talk to you all in a couple of weeks. All right, thanks, Pete. And uh, this is Russ, K5TUX, saying uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to episode number 114 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, make sure you go to lhspodcast.info. Check out all of our information. Everything you ever want to know about the show is there. The website has recently been updated, and I think it's pretty much working properly now, so you should be able to get to all the stuff you need to get to. And please check out the Ambassador Program. I've got a lot of upcoming events, and if you want to be an ambassador for the show, click on the Ambassador link and sign up. It doesn't cost you anything, and you get some free stuff and a lot of appreciation from the hosts of Linux in the Ham Shack. So that's it for me, broadcasting live from between the peaks in the Pine Forest in north-central Arkansas. And uh, thanks, everybody, listeners old, present, and new alike. And we will catch you again in a couple of weeks. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye.